Understand where you're at, understand what the opportunity looks like going forward and finding that purpose will re-energise your business. I think a health solution model is really the only truly differentiated business model that's available to community pharmacies. You'll get to use your training, get to use your skills and as I say, better patient outcome have always equal better business outcome. Hi, I'm Andrew Pattinson, Head of Strategy and Partnerships at Pharmacy Platform and you're listening to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Focusing on pharmacy management and ownership, the PBCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. The words unprecedented and pivot have become the buzzwords of the past year and for good reason. The world is still coming to terms with the immense and rapid change and so too is community pharmacy. Community pharmacy stepped up to provide frontline healthcare and support to their patients and the wider community during the pandemic and they continue to be engaged, willing and equipped to play an integral role in the response to COVID-19. Today, we speak with Andrew Pattinson, Head of Strategy and Partnerships for Pharmacy Platform, a business which assists pharmacies build customer engagement by improving their marketing, retail, professional services and HR performance. Andrew discusses the challenges, opportunities and learnings of 2020 and how to manage change in order to ensure community pharmacies continue to evolve into health hub destinations. We chat about change management principles, how to put them into practice, and how to empower teams to champion change. Here's Andrew. Andrew, welcome to the show. We all know, obviously, that 2020 was it was a year of enormous change in the sector, but just as importantly, what did we learn through it all, do you think? I think the key learning is that as a sector, we can if we have to. So for the last, I'll say 100 years, it could be 10, it could be uh could be 50. Pharmacies have been encouraged to change. That I remember hearing many years ago that supermarkets are coming and there's no margin. Uh, you know, the pharmacy is destined for doom and gloom. And 30, 40 years on, there is still a thriving community, pharmacy community. So, so the procrastination of change has been, uh, pharmacy has a long and proud tradition. But if we cast our minds back to 2020, Uh, a period of intense change. We saw in a very short period, regulatory change, um, script processes changed, uh, new laws were enacted, how we engage with patients changed, digital pathways changed, uh, supply, logistics, wholesale arrangements. We saw a real battle for stock and community pharmacies had to look at their supply lines and logistics. So in almost every area of the business, we saw significant, significant change. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think, the, uh, I think the phrase is we saw a decade of change in 10 months. And so and in the middle of all of that, we saw digital scripts come in. Uh, and it was a real forced urgency. Um, the, we talked about pharmacies moving to a practice model, you know, through the last few community pharmacy agreements and move from from just you know traditionally focused script income to holistic service income, and uh, and I think pharmacies really stepped up. I mean the the speed and the volume of change was so marked. It was you know to to uh, 
to take a uh, an oft-used word about 2020. It was unprecedented and, uh, and everyone was able to pivot. So these are the buzzwords of the year. Um, but, you know, community pharmacy evolved, uh, responded and reacted and... Uh, and a phenomenal effort. No, I think the seven CPA and the the, uh, the quality of the agreement uh, really uh, is testament to that fact that the government saw the value that community pharmacy was adding in communities all around Australia, and that you know while the doctors were at home in their tracksuit pants doing uh, doing sort of Zoom calls, uh, the community pharmacies were you know vaccinating, and providing those essential community services and. Uh, so, so, I mean, the question, what did we learn? We learned that we can do it, you know, as a, as a sector. Uh, absolutely, we can do it and step up and, uh, and evolve our business really quickly. So, yeah, I think that's probably the key learning for 2020 um, and to take forward. Well, you say we can do it. And some of those examples, a lot of those examples that you just gave, they were external urgent factors and stresses, but whether it is a dynamic environment like 2020 and COVID-19 and all the other things that were thrown at community pharmacy, or maybe it's a steadier operating environment, businesses are still often pushed to change. It might seem obvious to some why pharmacies need to change, but what's your take overall? What do you see as the key reasons that community pharmacies need to continue to change and evolve? I think community pharmacy doesn't live in a vacuum. That pharmacy is part of a society and we've seen significant societal shifts in the last, well, in the last decade, really. I mean, the speed of change has been exacerbated by technology. And if we have a look and you put your consumer hat on and have a look at the uh, the change, you know, you've got Ubers and Netflix, Amazon, ASOS. So there's business models everywhere that are evolving, changing, and popping up, and often on the back of technology, as I say. Uh, and in you know convenience retailing, things like HelloFresh and and even Doctors on Demand and those kind of things. So, so when we look at the overall consumer experience, pharmacy is part of a decision set. We're, we're a retail business, and if we do it well, uh, we're a, we're a healthcare retailer. And, uh, and a retailer that provides both product and service. So um, that's the, the critical thing that I think all pharmacies need to, to, uh, to stop and have a think about is that um, community, the community is changing, the consumer is changing. We can't just plow on blind. You know, there's no point saying, you know, our consumers will, you know, get an Uber to the pharmacy, but they're not interested in the digitalization of our model or in, in other models of healthcare. You know, we're seeing, um, as I say, globally, things like uh, health focus has increased when we look at, at global consumer trends, uh, the desire to, to um, look, look after yourself better. And there's a variety of websites. Uh, obviously, the access to information has never been higher and active health participation uh, in people's the, their quality of life uh, is is sort of second nature now. So um, when you see such drastic global shifts in behaviour, um, people are looking for new solutions, and and so um, pharmacies really need to evolve. The problem um, is obviously pharmacies are run by humans, and human beings are the weakest of the species. Right? If we look at across the animal kingdom, the reluctance to change 
is almost hardwired. You know, the fear of failure. Um, and by and large, most people don't like change. What if the skills I have in this environment aren't the skills that are going to be valued in a future environment? And, uh, you know, so it, it, the instinct to hold on to what I have rather than, you know, adopt that growth mindset and, and look at, you know, what else I could get um, is really critical. So if we look at, you know, I think if we look through COVID, um, obviously pharmacy highly trusted. I know a lot of, you know, the marketing that people were doing and getting information out into the community. You know, they had incredible open rates for email, sort of 50% plus, which is unheard of. And, you know, patients need to be led through change. So, um, as I say, you've got to meet the patients where they want to be met, whether that's in store, online, at home. Uh, you know, that it's just the, that's, that's consumer requirements now. Um, and I guess, you know, within that, then there's seven CPA, um, a good agreement, security of fundamental dispensing income, uh, but it allows a new phase of business cycle and a new phase of investment. So, you know, I think pharmacies need to define what business am I in? Um, am I in the business of providing health solutions and improving the quality of life uh, for my patients and consumers? And, and that's a good business to be in. I think it, the last year's shown us that. Um, and if I am in, am in that business, then I have to evolve my business model. Um, so, so I think... Uh, when you're looking at your business, you, you always begin with the consumer in mind. And the expectation of the consumer is constantly evolving. Uh, so as a pharmacy, your business model has got to be you know, continually evolving. Lots of very interesting points there. And they all seem to come back to the same thing for me. You mentioned about continually evolving and pharmacies trying to figure out what business am I actually in. You mentioned pharmacies need to sit back and look at the change and consider how the community is changing and how they're looking for new options and ways to be service. So, Andrew, where does change management sit with all of the opportunities and challenges facing community pharmacy in 2021 and no doubt the years that are coming past 2021 and all of the things that, as you said, those humans that are running community pharmacies, they've got all these things that they have to do on their list day in, day out. Where does change management really fit and, and sit for you in terms of the priority? Darwin knew it. It's not the fittest that survive. It's the most adaptable to change. And the last year has amplified and exemplified that. So in short, change management is number one, that when you step back and you look at the, uh, at the community pharmacy environment and you define your sense of purpose, uh, why are you in business? you start with why. So when you look at that, whatever business you want to be in, there's going to have to be an evolutionary process to get there. And if you can't lead your team and your, and your consumers and patients through that journey, then, um, you know, it just won't be successful. So change management is, you know, I, I think critically everything hangs off change at, uh, at Pharmacy Platform here. We have a team of pharmacists that are supporting, um, you know, we've got a team of pharmacist coaches that are supporting pharmacists through uh, changing and evolving their practice models. And every program we run, whether it's a heart health program, whether it's an asthma diabetes program, they're really change management programs. It's about um, educating somebody on how life's going to look better on the other side. And what we see is that uh, 
is that once a pharmacy goes through this process and they understand um, what's in it for me, and you know, one of the things we always say is uh, better patient outcomes equals better business outcomes. And so if that's kind of your ethos and your mantra, then it comes back to you have to be able to lead the team through change. There's a variety of models to do that. Um, but the acceptance that you know, the number one thing is um, converting the macro and the desire to change into micro behavioural changes, it's really critical. So um, for me, everything hangs off the ability of, an, a, business, uh, the ability of a business to implement change uh, and to drive that change forward and find a new world. Well, on that point of macro into micro and if those that adapt will survive and we understand and that we're on board with change management and change and evolution, what's your advice, Andrew, to community pharmacy owners on how to find the time to prioritise change management in their extremely busy community pharmacy? If we list the objections to why I haven't been able to evolve my, my business model, uh, the number one objection is tends to be time, closely followed by people and delegation. So if you focus on time, you know the model that, that I tend to use, and I think it's a really good simple model, and I'd encourage everyone to Google Covey's time management. Um, the only thing that moves is time. So you need to accept that you know, you're not going to find time unless you actually stop and actively look for it. So um, if you, you know, I need time to work on the business, not in the business, again, that's not going to happen. You need to do a couple of things. So the first one, you know, we always encourage people to do is define uh, the tasks, you know, have a look, keep a, a log of what you're doing as an owner, as a pharmacist, uh, and are they the things you should be doing? You know, that, uh, that, you know, is there someone else? And, you know, you look at some, you know, and I'll say simple and in inverted commas workflows, you know, by vaccinating someone, you know, the, the pharmacist needs to do the, the actual jab, but there's plenty of administration that can be done by pharmacy assistants or dispense techs or other trained staff in that area. Um, it's just a pharmacist that needs to make sure they deliver the healthcare outcomes. So when you look at, at the processes in the pharmacy, uh, you've really got to challenge yourself and say, you know, is this something that I need a degree? I need to have, you know, got through uni. I need to have, have uh, graduated as a pharmacist. Is this something that is going to deliver better patient outcomes that I should be doing? And if it's administrative work or if it's uh, if it's seeing reps or seeing other people, then you've got to be honest with yourself. And so, well, no, it's not. And so, you know, Covey, that time management model, looking at things, but in uh, in the sort of prism of urgency, urgency and importance, is a really simple way to do it. And to sort of start dividing your time up between things that are urgent and important, um, and ideally not urgent and important. So that's the planning area, and you can start to plan tasks, plan your, you know, uh, business growth strategies. Uh, otherwise, the place is just going to be chaos. And, and, you know, we work with plenty of community pharmacies that, that lurch from one crisis to another. And the answer is just a lack of planning and then a lack of delegation and empowerment. So once you know um, what you want to be and then you work out exactly your role and the task that you should be doing, then, uh, then quite simply uh, delegate anything that, that isn't... Uh, isn't you know patient critical, and uh, 
and that's the only way you're going to find the time. I mean, you've got to be pretty brutal, assess each task. Should I be doing it? Is there anyone else in the business that would be better qualified? Uh, is this task going to help me deliver my business goals? And if the answer is no, then yeah, you've got to start jettisoning those things. But it is tricky to do because it's a discipline. And uh, and again, it, you know, oftentimes uh, there are comfortable tasks that we're doing. We know how to do them. We can do them, you know, blindfolded. And uh, uh, but that's the challenge. That's the evolutionary challenge for a business. So um, yeah, I'd encourage everyone to Google Covey's time management and uh, and have a look at that model because I think it's the simple, a really simple one, uh, and it's completely appropriate for community pharmacy. I concur 100%. Now, Andrew, you mentioned that you work with plenty of pharmacies that lurch from crisis to crisis, change management, leading teams through change. It's not a new thing. It happens in all industries and there's a lot of literature to help businesses and managers, as you just mentioned, with COVID and time management model. However, it can be hard, especially when a business still needs to to get on with being a business and, and being run day in, day out. And as such, mistakes can happen. What mistakes do you see community pharmacies often making when they're trying to lead their teams through change where they've seen that it's important, they're off to the races, they're committed, they're trying to make that change and they're trying to lead their teams and their businesses through change, but maybe they make some mistakes. What do you see? Commitment is probably central to the issue. I often laugh that when Cortez got to the new world, he burned his ships and he wasn't a pharmacist, you know, because most pharmacists won't burn their ships. They'll dip their toes in and and they won't commit to the change. They won't commit to a new business model uh, and that leads to procrastination. So, um, so once you start procrastinating, it does get difficult. So that would be, be uh, certainly one thing is committing. Once you have committed, I guess communication in life is... Uh, is it's just difficult. I mean, the greatest sort of fallacy about communication is that it's actually happened. You know, that, you know, everyone needs different levels, different formats of communication. So, uh, looking at that, um, and then having unrealistic expectations of yourself, that tends to be the uh, uh, another big mistake that people make. So, when you you know look at what has to be done in a period of change. And often, like, if you go to the gym, you know, if you go to the gym, you might get a personal trainer, someone who, who's been there before, who actually knows how to help you um, lead through that personal and lifestyle change. Uh, or some people might do group classes. Some people can just join a gym and do it all themselves. Um, but a lot of people need some guidance, need to know how to do it. Um, and there is no shame in asking. So um, I think those, they're probably the keys is that, Creating uh, creating realistic expectations, not procrastinating, um, committing, and then uh, making sure you're communicating through the change. And there's models you know, that that can lead you through that um, that are you know can be pretty effective. Well, let's pick up two of those points. Let's pick up the models first, and then I'll come back to the communication point that you mentioned, which is so important. We've spoken about Covey and the time management model. We know that change management, it's not a new concept and there's a lot of really smart people that have done some great work in the space, including Covey, and they've been developing some frameworks to help guide us through change management. Can you tell us about some of those other frameworks that you like to use or talk to people about or maybe that are your preferred frameworks that a pharmacist can maybe check out and and use to lead their team through change? 
the one I've used for many years uh, since I worked in organisational psychology back in the day is Cotter. So John Cotter had an eight-step process of of leading change projects. You know, it's pretty easily uh, adapted. I mean, he effectively proposed that for committed leadership, you know, there are four phases. There's the need for change, then there's directing the change, then there's the behaviour to reinforce, and then making the change sustainable. So he had he had eight steps. And interestingly, the first step uh, that Cotter felt was critical is creating a sense of urgency. And when you look globally, and it doesn't matter if it's a community pharmacy or if it's a you know global Amazon acquisition, uh, the reason change fails, 50% of change projects fail because of not creating that sense of urgency. And if you think about your own business, and times where you've sort of suggested that, yeah, we'll change, but you've floated on the breeze. You know, you might come back from an APP or a pharmacy conference with a sail full of wind, plenty of energy, and we're going to do this and we're going to do this. And then you go in back into the business, into the day-to-day, and it just gets too hard and you get beaten down. So that, you know, so I would encourage everyone when you look at the... Uh, at needing to change. So steps one and two for Covius, uh, create that sense of urgency and then build the right team. Um, and that comes back to what I spoke of earlier. You just can't do it all yourself. You can't be captain, coach and kicker and expect to knock out, you know, I've got all these scripts I've got to do today and I've got to do counselling sessions. I've got vaccinations. I've got, uh, you know, a variety of other, you know, obviously uh, patient-focused work to do. Um so you must build the right team. So find that, you know, coalition of the willing, as they would say, is um, find others to take your vision forward and to keep the project on, um, keep the project on the rails. And then, you know, steps three and four is about getting the vision right. So uh, get that vision, communicate the vision, and and often, you know, and I look at things like vaccination. I mean, the vision around herd immunity in this nation has been a, just an outright success. I mean, it's been community pharmacy vaccination programs have made our country so much stronger uh, in terms of access to vaccines, people who weren't previously getting uh, vaccinated. So creating that vision of the role that your business will play in the community and, and you know, if you're running asthma programs, then you know, how are we actually going to improve the lifestyle, improve the quality health outcomes and uh, and then communicate that. So internally and externally, right? So you've got to let your patients know that when you come into our pharmacy, if this is our vision, this is a place where health's going to happen. Um, it is going to be a place where we're going to engage with you on, on your health and lifestyle. We're going to look to give um, not just a, you know, you come in for a script uh, that, you you know, you'll be offered a, a solution product, you know, it could be offered a service or a, uh, a, another, uh, you know, vaccination or, you know, flu certificates or those kind of things. So um, getting that vision really clear of this is what the future is going to look like for our business and then communicating it and then moving more into the behavioural. So uh, creating short-term wins. So that concept of, you know, we had a working with a pharmacy recently and it took six months for them to do a meds check. And, you know, the pharmacist called up and said, well, I just did a meds check and he'd never done one before. I mean, you know, it's the, and, and, you know, the 
person that was coaching him said, oh, what a disaster. And, but it was the exact opposite. It was, that was the start of his journey. It took him a while to get there, um, but now he's on the road. So creating sort of short-term wins and you know, things that can be achieved, and sometimes they need to be um, almost so simple to generate momentum. You know, momentum's the most powerful force in any game, right? So um, creating those wins, empowering action, um, and then you just don't give up. I mean, then it's just the uh, it's the perspiration that's going to uh, is more important than the inspiration, and that's how you make change stick. So, so looking around those eight steps, and you know, we encourage people to take their teams through the the steps. Here's what we're trying to do. You know, we're implementing a new product or a service or a new IT platform or a system or or a you know community engagement program, and you know we need to have it done by a certain time. You know, a smart goal is your you know, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, time-bound. Um, so you can actually say, you know, by you know December we will have done this, this, and this, um, and then hang your hat on it. So, so I think using a framework to help crystallise what you're going to do, when you're going to have it done by what success is going to look like and what life's going to be like on the other side, uh, it really it, it generates that purpose for the business, a sense of momentum, and, uh, and will help drive it forward. So, um, yeah, the, uh, again, that's the other one, Cotter's Eight Steps, I think is, uh, it, it applies really you know, ease, easily and appropriately into community pharmacy. As I said before, I wanted to pick up on communication again, as you said before, communication it's essential for success. But we know that most people they don't like change. It can be a, a challenge to their status quo. It can make them feel uncomfortable, and some they may even feel threatened uh, that their job is going to be lost. These are all pretty natural responses, and in some cases they can be justified. However, most importantly, we actually know that those responses are, are probably going to happen, so we can at least plan and and manage for them. As such. How important is communication, do you think, in change management? I'm, I'm really looking for you to elaborate on that point for me based on what you said earlier and, and maybe provide some guiding principles to help ensure good communication. Communication's a tricky one. You know, I mentioned earlier my background's in psychology and so, you know, we do a bit of psych profiling and team-based psych profiles. And the greatest conflict, and I use that term in sort of inverted commas in teams, is the difference in preferences of communication, you know, introverts and extroverts and, and, and how I like and need communication. So, um, you know, I guess from a starting point, there's form and function, you know, part of it is you, you, you know, you communicate, uh, that the job is going to change and grow our business. You know, we're, we're realigning for the future. And as I say, our purpose, you know, we're, we're saving lives in a pandemic, you know, we're becoming a, a health retailer and here's how we're going to, Here's how we're going to help people, and here's what we're going to do. But then it gets to the micro stuff, right? Is is defining the purpose, inspiring the team, but then using the communication channels we have available. Um, and and the reason that I talk about multifaceted communication channels is because everybody's different. Uh, some people like things written down. Some people like that kind of water cooler chat and that level of inspiration. Um, some people need it on a whiteboard or an infographic um, is that, you know, and creating those push and pull factors and, and 
and uh, different ways to communicate. So I think uh, one of the key things is that people struggle with what to say, you know, and so tr training and communication are almost inextricably linked there. Um, things like role plays, I don't know, those of you out there who've done a role play recently, they're horrible things. Uh, and they're, you know, the more you do of role plays and and uh, and that kind of thing, the more you realise you should do more role plays, but you absolutely hate them. So, so making sure everyone's clear on the sales pitch, clear on the the spiel, if you will, um, and then over communicating. I mean, as a leader, it's absolutely critical, uh, particularly in the initial phases of change, that you over communicate. And in you know pharmacy. Look, the simplest way I've seen this is morning scrums. You know, if every morning you get the team together and, you know, scrumming is, you know, one of those, you know, management concepts that's uh, all the rage. Um, and you don't sit down. It's not a formal, you know, communication vehicle. It's an informal communication vehicle where everyone can just share, here's what's happening today. You know, here's what happened yesterday. We need to do this. We need to do that. And generally, once you get that both formal and informal communication uh, firing, uh, then people are comfortable both communicating up and down, if you know what I mean, that, that taking feedback, listening is absolutely critical uh, rather than just, you know, uh, putting something up on a notice board saying, here's what's going to happen, we're doing this. Um, it's a sort of a recipe for failure, isn't it? But... Uh, but uh, getting people to understand the purpose, here's what we're doing, here's why we're doing it, here's your role in this, uh, here's exactly the tasks and here's you know, what we need to do when we need to do them and then, uh, and then making sure that there are, there are those feedback channels uh, for people to actually say, hey, look, this doesn't work or you know, this is stupid, uh, this is not a good way of doing it because of this, this, this. And uh, so, yeah, just making sure that... Uh, that all those things are covered, but um, communication, as I say, the uh, it's the great frustration. Uh, many owners that we speak to are saying, "Well, I think I've communicated, I've done this," um, but it's just got to keep happening, you know. It sounds as though the two big things where a pharmacy might fail in change management is the communication and is that time management and making the change a priority and committing to it. We've spoken about those things. Already, are there any other reasons change initiatives might fail that community pharmacists really need to keep an eye on if they're undertaking some change in their pharmacy? Yeah, I think a lack of understanding where you actually want to be, whilst it's, it is linked to time and, and communication, but, but what are the business models that are available to me? You know, how do I get this growth mindset and ensure that? You know, I'm heading in a future direction. There's so many pharmacies that, you, you know, why have you joined a particular banner group? And they say, oh, I don't know, it just seemed easier. Um, but it isn't linked to their to their actual business strategy and, and actually stopping and planning. You know, um, in most businesses, not planning um, would be a, a death sentence. In, in a lot of community pharmacies, we're really fortunate because uh because there just hasn't been this need historically you know people have come in and and uh business has been good but as i say as alternative business models start to emerge um and globally we're seeing you know customer numbers 
down in most retail formats in pretty much every country. So there is this need to make sure that your business is relevant and that your strategy is uh, is robust and you can articulate exactly um, why am I in business? You know, what is the the why and the uh, uh, this this concept of uh, of why is just uh, is really critical. You know, finding the the purpose of your business and uh, and there's a great you know uh, a great video. Simon Sinek uh, is another name that they should uh, listeners should pop into Google. Simon Sinek why and in you know it's about a ten minute sort of uh, TED talk. And it's all about uh, defining your purpose. You know, how can you in, inspire yourself and define exactly why uh, why people, you know, patients, consumers should be engaging with you and why your team should be driving towards your vision. And it's one of those things, you know, in the day-to-day, the mundane tasks that we end up doing, sometimes you lose that connection to a higher purpose. And particularly as a as a you know pharmacy owner and working in community pharmacy, it is hard to to continually um, remember that sort of higher level purpose sometimes. So I think I think uh, I think constantly refreshing the why, what is the value you're adding in the community is is really critical. And so if you can keep that to be the light on the hill, uh, then Everything else can fall into place after it, but often, uh, often not being clear on exactly uh, our vision, our purpose, our our why, um, is a challenge for community pharmacies. Andrew, with so much great advice so far, I wanted to finish with something big. I've, I've kept it till the end, and that is changing a community pharmacy business model. We kind of touched on it a little bit earlier around pharmacies considering what their business actually is changing a community pharmacy business model it's a big deal and we know that many owners they're in various stages of considering or executing that change what advice would you like to leave those people those looking to change their business model after they've finished listening to the podcast today there's some research that came out as part of the killed cp 2025 but i think those pathways are actually a really sensible thing for all community pharmacists to just have a look at and say, look, where am I winning? In what area do I want to keep driving forward? And off the back of that research, it was quite interesting. A lot of people felt that income was decreasing, but there wasn't a need to change. So it's really interesting that dying the death of a thousand cuts seemed like a a reasonable business strategy. Uh, To me, that seems crazy. Uh, so, you know, you'd encourage every community pharmacist to have a look, you know, what are the areas? Look at your community, look at the demographics in your community, look at the opportunities to find that blue ocean, find that sort of clear space uh, that is going to be a sustainable, differentiated business model uh, that is going to take your business to the next step. So the uh, the government has flagged as part of the community pharmacy agreements, they do see pharmacies is having a role in improving the health outcomes of Australians. Uh, there's significant income available, as you're probably aware. We do the, uh, we work with the Pharmacy Guild in their um, in their seven CPA opportunity analysis calculator. So um, our team can talk you through exactly for a Guild member 
what is my opportunity in income in 7CPA and what are the most appropriate services that with my current team, resources and my demographic, what are the most appropriate uh, services I should be offering both from a 7CPA and a fee-for-service uh, program perspective. So I think firstly understand where you're at, understand what the opportunity looks like going forward and finding that purpose will re-energise your business. I think a health solution model um, is really the the only truly differentiated uh, business model that's, that, uh, that's available to community pharmacies. You'll get to use your training, get to use your skills. And as I say, better patient outcomes have always equaled better business outcome. So, um, yeah, finding those high-value patients um, because... You know, when it comes to consumers and patients, they're not all created equal. So understand uh, where, what are your highest value, most profitable patients for your business and how can you start to harness and attract more of them and focus your offer on solving patient needs rather than just being that kind of convenience destination for one size fits all. Uh, and as doing that, define your strategy, align your structure, Make sure your operating systems meet that strategy and structure, and then measure the uh, measure the outcomes, and then do it all again. Continually uh, review and reinvest in your business. Andrew, great chat. Some fantastic advice for those looking to implement and manage change successfully in their own community pharmacies. Now, your business pharmacy platform obviously helps community pharmacies in the change management space as well as many other areas of community pharmacy business. If people want to continue this chat with you and find out more about how you and the business can help them, what can they do? Where can they go? Ironically, when it comes to change management, uh, our business has just been through a merger pharmacy platform. So pharmacy platform was formed very late last year as the merger of a company called Instago and the Advantage Pharmacy Group. So uh, people can Google either of those or pharmacy platform com.au uh, and drop me a note. There's an info pharmacy platform there that'll come to me, uh, and I'd be more than happy to hear any questions or any personal experience from uh, from community pharmacies out there and uh, and direct them for someone that might be able to help them grow their businesses. Excellent, Andrew Pattinson, head of strategy and partnerships at Pharmacy Platform. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your expertise around change management in community pharmacy. Pleasure. Great to be with you today. Thanks again to Andrew for sharing his insights into the practicalities of change management principles and the factors of success. It is obvious that community pharmacies will continue to be a pivotal part of the Australian healthcare system, but with pharmacies expanding their service offerings and practising to their full scope of practice, the future is certainly bright. The Guild is dedicated to supporting community pharmacies on their change journey. Guild members can access the CP2025 Framework for Change document at guild.org.au and for more information and support, contact your local Guild branch. I've been your host, Daniel Oyston, and you've been listening to episode 71 of the PBCN podcast. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.